From the PSIA AASI Mobile Studios in Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas, and what a guest we have for you in this edition of First Chair. Uh, John Mohan, a name I grew up with in teaching, and uh, everywhere I go, anywhere I meet instructors from the Northwest, John, your name always comes up. It's a real pleasure to uh, connect with you on First Chair. Thanks for joining us this morning. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, John, you've done so many things throughout your career. What I'd really like to do is have a few interviews with you where we can get into some of the details. But today I'd like to just touch on a number of, uh, well, why you got started in skiing, teaching, things like that, but also some of the programs that you were um, so crucial to getting started. But uh, to get started this morning, what was it about skiing that really grabbed you and got you interested? Oh, it was the excitement of being in an environment that was always changing and conditions that were always changing. And I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. And so, oh my gosh, when I was first introduced to skiing, I mean, I just was absolutely thrilled. Did you grow up in the Northwest? I grew up in the Northwest and I started skiing at 15 years old. A friend of mine sold me all his ski equipment for $11, which was bear trap bindings and a wooden ski <laughs> and bamboo poles. And uh, first, uh, first day skiing, my brother broke his leg, so I got his uh, 10th Mountain skis, which were all white, and I uh, used those all season. And after that, I was totally hooked. I worked, worked all summer to buy a pair of heart skis, which were brand new metal skis. Uh, you know, heart and head were right up there, and oh my gosh, I had to have everything. So yeah, it was an absolute blast. Now, did you all was skiing always recreational for you? Did you race? Did you compete in freestyle? Anything like that? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. The uh, <clears throat> uh, it was recreational the first year. The second year, I raced, and the third year, I was teaching skiing and uh, racing a little bit and it's not i'm not known for that i'm known for uh, writing a book on teaching freestyle skiing where i was doing all the trick skiing because i was a gymnast and a diver in college and um i competed in freestyle until i was about 35 and then i decided being out there when it, with those 18 year olds my body was really old and it was time to put it aside I remember distinctly going off a jump at Alpenthal, doing a front layout at 35 years old, and looking down at my wife, who was watching me jump, and thinking, what am I doing up here? This is crazy. I have a real job, and uh, I should be back home. And um, one of my own students beat me. He did an 80-foot back layout, and I thought, that's it. I got the stereo set. He got the dots and the 280Z, and... <laughs> You know, that ended that. And so, you know, I've raced and fiddled around with a freestyle and still do a little bit of that. I've done Star and um, still go out and do my trick skiing just to try and keep this body from rusting. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was it that got you interested in teaching, of all things? Uh, actually, it started in school, in um, uh, junior high and high school. Um I didn't do well in school because I haven't got a great memory and people assume that I do with all the stuff that I've done. And so I didn't test well and I decided I wanted to become a teacher so that people
people didn't uh, that were in classes didn't feel stupid because I felt stupid all the time. And to me, an, a great teacher is an encourager that is very specific on what you should be doing and where you're doing it. And so that's how I got into it. And then when I started skiing, uh, I was asked uh, my senior year if I wanted to teach skiing for the ski school. Of course, I was thrilled out of my mind. And prior to that, I had taught uh, for the American Red Cross, I taught swimming. And um, that started it. And I played a lot of sports. But it was mostly to be an encourager and try and help people be really good at what they want to do. Now, one of the things that I know you've always talked about throughout your career is this has got to be fun. I mean, we're out here playing. I always liked that about your presentation. It was that we got to have fun doing this, guys. Absolutely. It's play. And uh, sometimes we get so wrapped up in the technical part of all this stuff. Um Gee, we want to get people so they really are excited about what they're doing. And it's just like talking to a, uh, a five-year-old, and you t- tell the five-year-old you're going to win a ribbon if you can get this far down the hill before you fall over. And they come down the hill, and they make it, and then they fall over, and you're cheering them on because they made that certain distance in teaching. And in the rest of it, I mean, there's so many games that we can play when we're teaching uh, classes, you know, uh, with students and have and create a relationship with them so that they feel like you're the encourager. One time I had a gal that had leukemia and she was all of probably 80 pounds. And I pointed her out to the class and I said, look at her. And she was a good friend because you cannot talk about people unless they're good friends. And I said, she you know, only weighs about 80 pounds. She doesn't have much strength. But look at how she settles uh, at the start of the turn here. And she was so proud of herself. The one thing she told me uh, over the years, she says, the reason why I really like to ski with you and work with you is because you treat me like I'm normal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was just fun watching her ski. And same with other people, like, uh, oh, Nick Heron is a, a fellow that uh, taught for me for a number of years. And what was Nick interested in as a teacher? He was interested in really impressing the girls in his class. So I teach him different things like shoulder rolls and worm terms and all the other things so that he was cool. Everybody likes to be cool and everybody likes to be um, respected and honored and valued. And I think good teachers do that. Rather than beating us over the head with how stupid we are, they go ahead and encourage us. And there's a huge difference between being stupid and being ignorant. And uh, being ignorant is you don't know. Being stupid means you do know and you still do really dumb things. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, it, trying to get people so they really you know, enjoy uh, the journey of life because it's not a destination. So that's, that's basically my, my thought. When I was teaching clinics this year, um, you know, I went out with the instructors and I had a bunch of uh, ladies that were, you know, 40 years old and I helped them with their skiing and I tormented the living daylights out of them and we had so much fun together. And, uh, you know, it's nice to be invited back even though you're a dinosaur. <laughs> no. So... 
at what point in your career did you feel like, you know, I really like working with guests, but I also want to train instructors and, and maybe develop some own, some programs of my own? Uh, most everything that has happened in my life has been an accident. And so I was got married and was teaching skiing on Saturday, and then I uh, went ahead and... Um, uh, decided I need another job on Sunday to pay for my wife's gear. And so I went to work for another ski school, and I found out that I was uh, competent, and they had me teaching clinics at the uh, right away uh, after about two hours of the tryout. And two years later, the, uh, the owners of the ski school decided to call it quits, and it was the school district ski school. And so I went to the superintendent, and the superintendent wanted to keep the program going, and so he asked me to research all the other uh, programs so that we could find out which would be the best one for uh, the school district. So I did, brought the stuff in back in, and pointed all the stuff out, and he said, why don't you do it? I said, what? And he said, yeah, why don't you run our school for us? You, you don't seem to be aware of what's going on. And I said, well, I'll let you know in three days. So I called an accountant and I called a lawyer and we got all of that put together and that started the whole thing. And so it was handed to me, which basically I didn't have any dream about that, but it was handed to me. And what was the name of that school? Because I'm Kim Petram comes to mind. I know so many people that have come up through the ranks with you. Well, the original ski school was called the North Shore Ski School. But because of the way I put things together with all the different ski programs, I kept the names of the ski programs. So all the people that were uh, coordinators for the programs felt ownership. And so the North Shore Ski School grew into the Ski Acres Ski School and the University of Washington and uh, Renton, Kent, Auburn, Seattle Country Day, Forest Ridge, uh, the Thursday board, um, just a lot of different, I have 42 different groups, and they all had their own names, and I made all their advertisements specific to them and specific to their coordinator, so they took ownership, and then I would motivate them by saying, okay, if you, uh, you know, you've got a program here with 30 students, if you go ahead and uh, turn it into uh, 120 students here, I'll get a season's pass for you as a coordinator of a program. And, you know, within a year, that program would be maybe 150 students. And so I had uh, a lot of different tools that I used to motivate people to help build the program. Sometimes I was criticized by other ski schools where they said, uh, you know, you're... Um, you know, you're our competition. And I said, no, I'm not. I says, all I want is 5,000 students a week in lessons. That's all I want. And I says, how many people are here in the greater Seattle area, uh, Puget Sound area? And I'd say, there's millions of people here, and all I want is 5,000, and you're mad at me because I'm generating all these kids coming up and their parents and all the different things that are going on. I says, we all can be successful. And the Northwest was known for its, um, you know, private ski schools, not area ski schools. And the same thing happened when I uh, 
became the ski school director at Ski Acres, the owner of the ski area said, you know, I want you to run the ski school. And I told him, no, I wasn't interested. And then he made me an offer I couldn't refuse and gave me total attitude on uh, running the school and helping run the rental shop and doing all the marketing for that whole thing. And uh, it grew huge. Uh, And we had a lot of fun doing the thing. But these things were handed to me. And you asked about other ski programs. It was the same thing with PSIA Northwest. Uh, I decided I wanted to get in the clinics there. And I did some clinics. And then I thought, oh, it'd be fun to be an examiner. So I don't know how you got into the program that day, but I uh, became a backup. And within a couple of exams, I was uh, a full examiner and a couple more exams. And I was a lead examiner. And then uh, uh, someone asked me to come and uh, run on the board. Uh, And because I had a large ski school, I had a lot of votes (laughs) if I I wanted to be elected to something. (laughs) At one time, I had a little under 600 uh, staff members. And uh, so uh, I got elected to the board, and uh, they asked me to uh, run to be certification vice president. And they did that primarily because I was trained as an educator. I was an elementary school teacher for 14 years, and then I taught um, as a physical education specialist in the Bellevue School District. And I also taught out at the University of Washington as an instructor. Um, And, uh, you know, I had a lot of experience with writing programs and developing programs uh, through that education. And in teaching elementary school, the kids are very straightforward. They don't know anything else. And so if you're doing a good job, you can tell it by the smiles on their face. And if you're doing a rotten job, they are just a pain in the neck to work with. And so encouragement is really important. And I would get uh, kids in my fifth grade class that couldn't read at the first grade level and kids that were also reading at the ninth grade level. And so you had to structure all this thing to these uh, kids so that they enjoyed the classes. And so that's why they elected me to be uh, the vice president of um, education uh, at PSIA. The following year, they asked me to run the certification program. And I said, because uh, there was a political battle going on, and uh, they were putting me up there. And so I went home and asked my wife if I could do this because I knew it about take, it'd take about three years to get the program uh, organized the way I thought it should be run and the level at which I wanted it to operate. And she said, yeah, go for it. And I said, it's going to take a lot of time. So uh, I did, and I was elected. And the thing that I did is I knew that an exam manual was needed because uh, we were taking exams under the American technique and we had a whole bunch of diversity going on with what was being taught to prepare people for exams. So I wrote this manual on uh, it and sent it out to all the examiners. I spent the summer writing that thing. And, then, and I sent it out to the board of the directors and I sent it out to all the ski school directors in the Northwest. So I'd get a lot of input on it and that um, they could say what they think. And so I got a lot of feedback on the whole thing. 
and I rewrote it and set it out a second time and rewrote it and uh, uh, took it to the, the board uh, after I rewrote it the third time and took it to the board and the board approved the program. And there were some pretty radical changes in that. One of the changes that was big is I took away the the $6,000 beer budget that examiners have because they were getting all free beer after the <laughs> giving out the, uh, uh, the awards, uh, the passes and the failures. And, and so um, then I took it to the examiners at the fall meeting and said, this is the way we're going to run the program. And one of the unique things I put in it was that I was going to have the candidates evaluate the examiner's capability of conducting the exam and oh uh, they were not happy about that whole doggone thing and then um, they pushed back and uh, I said no we're going to do it this way as long as I'm running the program we're going to run it my way and someone says well you're a dictator and I said a benevolent dictator but I said my goal is to get this thing going this way and they said no and I said, okay, I says, then I'm done. I quit, and I turned around and walked out of the meeting. And um, that was with 50 examiners. And they said, um, they chased me out, and they said, you can't quit. And I said, I just did. Said, I'm not going to work with you guys. And I said, I've got, uh, you know, I want this thing to go really well. I want you guys to be really good at this whole thing. And uh, they said, oh, geez, John. Okay, we'll do it your way, but we're not happy about it. Well, they became very happy about it within a very short period of time because I evaluated everybody, and I've always done this with my evaluation on a three-point scale, never on a five- or a ten-point scale um, because if you want to use a five- or ten-point scale, uh, you can tear people down. If you want to build people, you use a three-point scale. One is... uh, needs improvement, two is competent, and three is just absolutely outstanding. And I take the examiner evaluations where the candidates evaluated their ability to run the exams uh, and uh, pass them out at the end of the exam. And boy, it started building the examiners up. And then I would teach workshops on how you get along with people and how you manage groups and how you keep things going on. And boy, 90% 90% of those examiners, uh, they bought into this stuff big time. And so that's how uh, we ended up with examiners going all over the country. And, and that's why Horst uh, Abraham um, pointed out our program and what we were doing and how we were getting this thing done. Because there's a lot of politics in all this stuff. And I wanted to take as much as a bunch of the politics I could out of the whole doggone thing. And pass the recognition on big time to the people that really could do this. And so, you know, like Chris Thompson and Paul Norm and all these different fellows that I've worked with uh, over the years, uh, they, they do it very, they teach very well and work with people very well, but we just had to be let into it. And being an elementary school teacher, I had to get along with all those kids and all those parents and all the principles and all the other stuff and you learn that because you're on the firing line all the time now, so that's sort of how i got into it <laughs> looking at your elementary education um tell us about what you did for children's skiing well um i 
I uh, had a program that was all skill-based uh, for the children skiing, and then I had a booklet on all kinds of games that you could play with kids so you could get them to ski without seeming like it was standing and listening to someone talk all the time. And so I wrote this uh, progress card, and uh, I uh, sent it back to Ski Magazine for um, trying to get into their Ski Wee program, which they were starting, a children's program. And uh, they wrote back and asked if they could buy it, <laughs> uh, the progress card. And I uh, said, the condition is, yeah, she, uh, the condition is that even though I'm not a destination ski school, that I could be a part of the Ski Week program. Our ski school could be a part of the Ski Week program. And they said yes. And so then Christy Northrup, who was running that program, uh, read some of the stuff I'd written, and we got together and we ended up writing the Ski Wee manual on how to teach little children how to ski and how to teach instructors how to teach it. And oh, we had a blast doing this thing, and we taught clinics all over the United States. Uh, one clinic that I really got a big kick out of is I was flown into Jackson Hole and I was working with about 30 instructors, and Pepe Stigler was in my class. And he was very Austrian. And uh, he stood back from the class a little bit. He was a ski school director. And if you, for those of you who don't know, he won gold medal in the Olympics. And uh, he stood there with his arms crossed, which is sort of a negative signal. And I thought, if I can't get this guy into this class and having fun, uh, by the end of the day here, I'm going to quit. <laughs> I, uh, and what happened is... Uh, Boy, after about 20, 30 minutes, he was right in the middle of all these games, horsing around and doing all these things. And we were absolutely having a blast while I was teaching all these little games on how to get children to ski a little bit better. And then he did something very un-Austrian to me. He put his arm around me as we were walking down the hill, and he said, you can come back anytime and work with my staff. And uh, I thought that was great. And he wrote a letter to Ski Magazine. And invited me back, but I would generally fly out on Sunday night after running the ski school and go teach somewhere on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, and then I was back Thursday to run my own ski school, and uh, I was quite on a, quite a routine there for a long time, uh, and it was fun. It was, you know, you get treated very nicely, but boy, you have to be on every time you teach. And so these clinic instructors that are on the demonstration team, they work hard. And um, then I uh, was uh, directed or asked by Chris Ryman um, and uh, Porter, Mike Porter, to come and evaluate the teaching skills of the demonstration team, which I did. And the purpose there was to encourage them, tell them what they were really good at and what they could do to be even better. And uh, I did that with uh, some of the team members that wanted that kind of feedback. And you can give feedback to people if they trust you. And if they know that you're doing it with the best in, uh, best in mind of what's going on. And so once you gain that kind of trust with people, they will let you do a lot of things and so it was fun. It's just I was, uh, had been giving this skill set and developed this skill set and 
working with people that uh, and being teachers. My wife is the same way. We're both in education. We are encouragers. And so we just have a blast doing these things. Well, John, here it is May. And to wrap up, could you just kind of go over what you do to keep in skiing when you're off the snow? Uh, well, I've skied a lot this year. I taught clinics. I was up 27 days, even though, you know, I'm a dinosaur. I'm 75 years old, and I still can fool, fool a lot of people. But uh, I walk, and I golf, and I uh, do a little bit of hiking. I swim a lot because it's the only thing that doesn't hurt. You know, my body has uh, been worn out with all the skiing that I've done there. But my philosophy is to age gracefully, number one, and so and to not rust, which is a, philosoph- a way of philosophical way of laughing at what I am. I get up in the morning, and uh, I creak and rattle and all kinds of things, and so I stretch, and then I keep moving. And we just bought a home near the ski area so I can get up there quickly. And um, it's I have five acres out here where I got... Uh, elk and deer and everything else and I'm building a, 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 what I call a zoo or a menagerie out here because we've got these uh, these animals running through all the time and I'm having a blast and my wife bought me a tractor that I can play with <laughs> and I still teach uh, not just skiing but I teach financial workshops on how to trade the stock market and I did that for 17 years at, the, at uh, Northwest University but I keep moving that's the bottom line every day I've got to move and all of the pain that you go through with the stretching and the running and everything else and I'm a lot slower and a lot weaker than I was but I love skiing because it's a downhill sport and gravity wins and as long as I can stay flat-footed on my feet and just move my pressure along the length of the ski the right way. Cripe, I can fool most people. <laughs> so I still, uh, that's what I do. I keep moving. Well, John Mohan, thanks very much for joining us on First Chair. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Well, it was a blast, and uh, people are blessed to be in the ski industry. Absolutely blessed. And we'll do it again. From the PSIA ASI Mobile Studios in Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.